0: What you put in is what you get out.
1: Yeah.
0: As a, as a former programmer, the code that I put in creates the type of, type of output that, the outcome, the results that I receive. So since I'm, I'm results driven and I'm a results coach, it's imperative that when I'm having those type of conversations, that the people that are selecting me and I'm selecting them, that they really understand that this isn't an investment for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that you're, you're going to have to have some skin in the game.
1: You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. It is another week here in this big beautiful country, which means it's time for another episode of American Snippets. Although I know we did miss you last week, and we're so sorry about that. We try very, very hard to never ever miss a week, no matter what is going on. But on occasion, very, very rare occasion, it happens that we do miss a week. Dave obviously is not here this week now as well. He is away with his family dealing with a personal situation. So I am here trying to do my best to muddle through in this introductory host capacity, which I do with far less panache than I do the interviews, I think. But roll with me here. We're going to get to this interview here in a minute, because no matter who does the intro, Chantella Richardson, her story is just going to blow you away. She spent 24 years working her way up in the IT field. She then left that field as CEO of a prestigious company to launch her own company in a completely different field. And she grew that company to its own level of success. She's also the regional director of the Global Women Club in Chicago and an advocate for children's safety. Chantelle is living her own version of the American dream, full of purpose and success. But, and listen up here, it has not always been that way. Far, far from it, in fact. In this interview, Chantella Richardson sits down and very openly, honestly, shares her incredible story of how she was abducted and victimized as a very little child. She talks openly again about how she coped with that trauma, how she's tapped into gratefulness and grit to build and then rebuild a life of happiness over and over again as one personal and professional tragedy hit her. And look, When you hear part of this interview, it might not be easy to listen to. It definitely wasn't easy for me, and I'm sure it was not easy for Chantella to share. And I cannot thank her enough for having the courage to do so. And she doesn't do so, and we don't share it for a shock and awe value. Rather, she's telling the story, and we're proud to share it. As a message to people, that no matter what you go through in life, you can get past it, you can overcome it, you can turn that pain into a new kind of purpose that's going to drive you forward and impact not only yourself and your family and your community, but others in the country, and in Chantelle's case, around the world and the global network that she's created. Far from the little girl who is victimized and just terrified throughout most of her childhood. She is an example of resilience and grace and courage and humility, and I could not be more honored to bring her story to you. So let's stop having me blabble into this microphone, and let's bring you episode number 132 of American Snippets with Chantella Richardson. You're listening to the American Snippets podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co host, Barb Allen, and today I have the great pleasure of sitting down and sharing with you Chantella Richardson, who the very first bit of research I did on her, I was like, man, this woman I cannot wait to interview because she has such an in depth story and background. And again, from the success that you see online and in person, one would never have guessed that somebody has gone through such challenges and hardships to get to where she is today, and Chantella is an excellent example for anybody looking for some kind of insight, inspiration, actionable steps to take to get past whatever challenge you're facing to apply to your life personally and professionally. She is a speaker, and author. She is a coach teaching people how to get results in their lives personally and professionally. She is the regional director of the Global Women's Club in Chicago, which I love and cannot wait to get into that a little bit. She came from a hard background in a crime and crime-ridden and area in Chicago, grew up in not a great area, but managed to get past so much of the hardships that are, come with that and find her own way of success. She was abducted as a young girl, and we're going to get into all of that now and find out how you overcome that, and she's using that experience to help others now prevent similar tragedies, which is something we love to hear sit back, buckle up. I know I rambled a little bit on that that intro, but sometimes I do that because I'm a person, I'm a human (laughs) and we keep it real here at American Snippets, but there's just so much. And I get all excited, like a puppy trying to run so fast on his legs and like falling, right? Like that's, that's sometimes how we we roll here, but I did it. Here we are with Chintella. We're going to turn this over to you to start talking about your story. And first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come sit down and, and talk with us.
0: Well, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a, an absolute pleasure to be here. A little bit about my story. I was born in Louisiana to a mom that, a teenage mom and a teenage father. My mom moved to Chicago to find a better life. And during that time, I stayed a little bit with my grandparents, my grandmother and my grandfather, and which were the parents of my mom. And so she came to Chicago to find a better financial life. And at that time I was her only child. And during that time, she met a wonderful man that she married and they then had three other children called my siblings. And from there, we just, my parents worked really hard. Uh, My father was always the entrepreneurial spirit and my mom, the sweet Southern woman, and very hardworking, And they just really wanted a better life. My father grew up in a background whereas um, what, what we call in Chicago, the inner city projects, which is low income housing. And so that's where he grew up. He was the eldest of seven. My mom, on the other hand, is like the youngest of 10. So their worlds are very different, the way they think, things of that nature. And luckily for me, I got to see, even during a time where I think was very difficult as a young person to, to kind of go through, one thing I can always say about my parents is that they worked hard and that when they were in their early 20s, they paid cash, hard cash for their home. So my wow. parents never had a mortgage, never, never had a mortgage. So... I thought that was interesting. Of course, at that age, I, I, I didn't know anything about a mortgage or anything like that. But as I became older, a young adult, I said, that's fascinating. How do you start off with so much greatness and somehow, some way, it, it tears apart? So long after my parents you know, separated. But during that time, they loved us and they worked hard. And me being the eldest of the four children, I think, um, like I like to say, we were, I was that test child. <laughs> so they learned a lot. Um, and I learned a lot being, being their, their child. I think my father being a very avid reader, my father collected books. And that was the cornerstone, I, I honestly believe, of some of who I am today. So I was able to go in his room and there would be a wall, literally a wall of books. And I, would, I could just even now see myself as a young person, I'm running my fingers along the spine of those books, not always understanding the words or the concept, but they, I blossomed. It, it made me grow. And one book in particular that really set my little spirit on fire was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill.
1: Yeah, how does a girl that age? Were you like around 13 when you started to how, so I mean, you know, I'm a mom and my kids are older than 13 now. But I have a 14-year-old stepdaughter and and a 12-year-old stepson and I know a lot of kids those age they're not picking up Napoleon Rich thing. I mean, Napoleon Hill thinking grow rich. You know, they're not they're not picking up those books. They're, you know, on their phones or into friends and party things that kids are into. You know what? what led you to at that age think so seriously and i know you mentioned you saw your parents buy their house with cash and that's a big deal but even the fact that you noticed that a lot of kids wouldn't necessarily notice that you know to the depth that that you did so what is you know what led you to to pick up that book and be so inspired by it and how can other parents maybe how can parents maybe convince their kids to do the same
0: well, that's interesting. I, I think it was the title. Uh, yes. I judged a book by its cover. That, literally, that's, that's what I did. Okay. The marketing, <laughs> the branding word. Genius, like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, think and grow rich. And as a, a, a young lady in the inner city, and that was big. I saw a lot on TV that didn't resemble the area in which I live. Mm-hmm. And so you asked a question, like what what kind of led me to to read that? won the title, of course, but I think before that, why was I even looking for a book, right? <laughs> like yeah. wh- why am I in my parents' room looking at, at right. books? I, I was a loner. I was one of, I was abducted as a young girl, and I think hindsight is always twenty 2020. I definitely wouldn't have put these words to it back then, but I shunned away from a lot of socializing. So although I I had quote unquote friends and I got out and I played with the kids, I would have to come back and um, reinforce my skills of socializing. Like that did not come easy for me. And it's honestly still doesn't. I I think that's just something that will be a part of me. And every morning, every day, I have to flip that switch and say, hey, regardless of what I'm thinking, I got to go out and be productive.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So you were abducted then before, younger, like very young. How how old were you? Tell us the story. What happened?
0: Well, I was about four years old. Okay. As I stated, my parents working. my dad was already at work. My mom had the responsibility of dropping me off at the babysitters and the babysitters loving couple Had children of their own. I was the youngest and at that time um, My mom had uh, my sister and so my sister was just a a lap baby at that Mm -hmm. time and here I am four years old with running with the big kids to the grocery store and, and we had done it plenty of times. It wasn't like a big deal, it was a beautiful summer day. I remember it right now, it was a beautiful summer day. I had on little shorts and T-shirt and canvas, tie up shoes and off to the store we went. And I can clearly recall there were a couple of people just standing out front of the store, just mingling. Uh, didn't seem like anything was wrong to me and still being that little country girl where when people speak to you, you speak back. I remember the guy saying, you know, good morning. And as we all entered into the store, I remember looking up like, good morning. And We went in the store and got whatever it was, bread, eggs, milk, whatever it was. And as we exited, the big kids went to the right. And I remember pausing as he stepped towards me, he was like, come here. And I remember not even making a full step, but just pausing long enough to make a gap between myself and the others. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, he had snatched me. I was, I was a little thing, just a, a little, little woman, little, well, little woman. I was <laughs> a little girl. I'm a woman now and still small. But I remember that he grabbed me. And off he went. And I I can remember people saying like, hey, hey, because by this time the others realized I wasn't in the pack and they chased him. But as he ran, he's literally on foot running with me. And as he ran, I could hear the voices getting further and further until they faded out.
1: Wow. So, I mean, what happened? (laughs)
0: Well, to make a a long story short, um, I was taken um, on top of in Chicago, and I'm, and you live in the U.S. We have these things called viaducts, right? And on top of this viaduct, what I remember was gravel and railroad cars. There were several detached railroad cars. Um, there was. There were no items in it or anything like that. It's as if they'd been abandoned and there there were all these railroad cars, and it was sunny out it was really it was really warm and And I could hear the city beneath me. I could hear the bustle of Chicago below, but there was no one up there but him and i and Unfortunately, I was sexually assaulted yeah. wow. as a, as a as a child wow and so um There are things, even my adult mind, can't wrap my head around. Right. um, Around that, that incident. And that incident is part of who I am. And it's a part of who I get to be when I connect with other women. Yeah, absolutely. How did
1: you get back to your family?
0: So... Hours I'm with this this man. I mean, hours, hours, and hours. And not to be overly descriptive, yeah. but here I am. I'm standing in front of him, and he is squatting. So if you can imagine your buttocks on the heels of your feet. So he's squatting low. Um, so we're almost like eye to eye. His, I'm standing in between his legs, and he's talking to me. And he's, and he's trying to stop me from crying Mm -hmm. and he's getting madder and madder and madder because what he's, I I can assume this now, he doesn't want anyone below that just might be walking by to hear a child screaming from above. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm standing there and I'm looking at him and he looks over my left shoulder. By this time, the sun had set, it's dark. In my mind, it could have been the next day. I I, I honestly wouldn't have remembered, but now I know it couldn't have been the next day because the sun didn't come up again. So he's looking over my left shoulder and all of a sudden, he started backing up. I mean, like in fear, like backing up. And I'm standing because I can't see him, see who's behind me or what he's looking at or anything like that, but he backs up. And as he's backing up, he stands up and he's pulling up his trousers. And he's running the opposite direction. And I'm watching him. And I'm slowly pulling, gathering my, my little underwear and my little shorts, trying to put them back on because I'm thinking someone's there. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm exposed. I'm naked. And I put my little clothes. As I'm turning, I'm turning and I don't see anyone. Now, I'm standing On top of this viaduct, if you can imagine this viaduct, the sun is now has set. It has has set rather has set, and I'm afraid. I mean, like really afraid in a way that I wasn't afraid when there was at least one person there with me. Right. So I'm injured. I'm bleeding. I'm I'm hurt. Yeah. I'm afraid. And I'm, I'm crying out like because I'm thinking someone's there to help me, but no one came. No one came. Whatever spooked that man, whoever spooked that man, they never showed their face or, wow. it, or it's face. So here I am on top of this viaduct, and now I have to get down. Yeah. I have bruises on my knees today. Wow. Because, because now... I'm four years old scaling a viaduct wall, concrete viaduct wall. So I get back down to ground level and I'm crying. I'm dirty. I'm bleeding. And luckily for me, someone, a a gentleman stopped because he knew something wasn't right. And he he stopped and cars were coming in and out, uh, from under this viaduct, not a lot of cars. It wasn't heavy traffic, just cars coming back and forth. And this (laughs) smart guy, he looked at me, he asked me my name, asked me, you know, was I okay? I don't even remember what I said. Um, But he flagged down a United States Postal Service truck. And there was a female driver. And I remember distinctively, because she was late, because and she said that she was like, "Hey, I'm late getting back to the station. What, what, what you need?" And he was like, "Look, I, you know, can you help her? Like, I don't. Can you help?" Her? And she looked at me and she said, "Get on, get, up, come on." And I remember, <laughs> I, I was always fascinated with these little postal trucks, and for a moment, I had a moment of happiness as. I'm standing on this truck and she's trying to understand where I need to go. And she asked me, she asked me, did I know the address? I absolutely did not. And she asked uh, uh, enough questions to get me back to the grocery store. Wow. And from there I could point because I didn't, I I didn't probably. Yeah, Yeah, I'm four. I didn't solidly know left from right, north, south, east, Mm -hmm. and west. But I could, I knew how to get from that grocery store back to the home of the babysitter. And as she approached the street, there were police cars, several, um, because they were just there. I, I'm not sure as a as an adult, even today, um, why they were there and not looking for me, but <laughs> they were definitely on the block. And as she entered, um, I remember being greeted by the police and my my uh, babysitter at that time but that's that's how I got back to wow. the um, to the babysitter house and um, I feel it's and that's how I know there's a guy I don't, yeah. I don't care nobody else tells me that's how I know there's a guy
1: yeah chase that guy away got like That's crazy. Did they ever? Was there ever any justice? Did they ever catch the guy? You know who was? No, no.
0: no. I I think um, my father had a conversation with the police officers. They probably filed a report, um, but I shut down. Yeah, I wouldn't talk about it. I didn't talk openly about this situation for decades. Yeah, I mean, so, um, it's, uh, yeah. I didn't have language for it. I, yeah. How how do you say I've been right sexually assaulted? I didn't even know what sex was. Right.
1: Wow. Well, thank you, I mean, for sharing that with us. I know we got heavy, like right off the bat. Um, I appreciate that you were willing to do that. Uh, and because I hope everybody, yeah, well, I hope people who are listening, I know a lot of people have had even similar things you know happen in their lives that they still just can't mentally grasp happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. it takes a lot to sometimes kind of break through that whole wall that you just instantly put up to just not go there, right? You compartmentalize those things and you just tuck it away and say, I'm just gonna leave that there. <laughs> you know? yeah. And at well, some point I
0: still yeah. do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah you the
0: circle back it. I don't put the emotion to it. I talk about what I recall as the right. facts.
1: Yeah. 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 Um and so at four years old, you you discovered that you have a, a will, though, that you have a strength and you have an ability to survive and get through things that you are tougher, maybe than any four-year-old would have thought that they could be, right? Because yeah, I, I don't
0: know if I would have yeah. thought that at four, of course. Yeah. By no means. I, I know I didn't think that at four. I th- thought I did something wrong at okay. four. At four I I wondered why.
1: Okay.
0: Right. But but as I am older now and I look at other four-year-olds or five-year-olds or three-year-olds, I can't fathom most of them going through something as horrible as that.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Or an
0: adult. Or an adult for that matter.
1: So you're back with your family and you just have to roll on with life, right? You just, yeah. your parents yeah.
0: have to go to work.
1: Your siblings yeah. have to go to school. You have to go back to the babysitter. Right?
0: Well, the babysitter, I never went back there. You never again. went back there? I've never seen those, that that family um, again in that capacity. Yeah. Never, never, never again. And um, yeah, so, so um, my parents didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. So, and I and I can
1: understand that, right? Their instinct is to hold you yeah. close and protect you. So, yeah. so moving through childhood and all that, you you've tucked that away in your corner, and then you start paying attention, or maybe you are already paying attention, and you realize, hey, my parents are a tough man, and they're doing some things right, and and you find yourself reading Napoleon Hill's book at thirteen years old. I believe it saved my life. I really
0: yeah. do, in a, the weirdest, in the weirdest way. I think when when, when you have such a travesty at such a young age, um, especially those developing years. Um, and like I said, I, I, I became a hider. I, I wanna go play, I don't know if it's safe to play. I, I started having horrible nightmares. I had nightmares for years, for many years. Hmm. Um, during that, that process, I didn't have therapy. I didn't talk about it. My mom my mom was pregnant with the third child, which was my first brother. And so during the time, my mom wasn't informed. So I didn't even have the hug of a mother. Your mother never knew what happened. Not, not initially, no. Wow.
1: wow.
0: Not initially. So because she had a high-risk pregnancy. So wow. some adult thought that was a good idea. Some adult thought it was in the best interest of my mom and the high-risk child. Oh. Not let her know that her four-year-old daughter was abducted and sexually assaulted. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, even I'm like, like well, yeah, they thought that was a good, like somebody thought that was a good idea.
1: So yeah. you just couldn't tell your mom, Hey,
0: I was taken. I don't think I, I would have even, well, because again, I thought I did something wrong. Yeah. So so as a child, here you are, you think you did something wrong. My mom doesn't know to even have the conversation. Yeah. And my father was the one that pretty much honestly was the one like, hey, you don't talk to strangers, you don't, you don't do this, you don't do that. And I think in his defense, he he didn't know how to handle that. He yeah. didn't know how to handle emotionally that a child had been abducted. Um, I think he felt like partially responsible in his own fatherly way because he wasn't there to protect me in some way. And at the same time, he wanted to protect his unborn child um, because my mom was having a really difficult time. And I think they thought that eventually I would talk about it. And I just didn't. You just didn't. Up until I was a teenager with my mom. When my mom just went and she said, no, they eventually told me. And I, but I didn't know until I was in high school that she had ever been informed one way or the other.
1: Wow. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) And we're, we're just like touching the corner of, you know, of the cover of your story there. That's just a a lot. But, um, so then now you're a teenager, you're starting to read these books. You're starting to think big. You're starting to make these plans for yourself. And then at some point you have this conversation with your mom and your dad. And I don't know, does that heal? Does that hurt? Does it open, you know,
0: conversation? I think, um, it was just always on my mind. I didn't have a conversation with my dad about it again up until about four years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I knew that he knew and, and I, um, I, I didn't blame him that I was abducted, but I blamed him for how I felt after the abduction.
1: Right.
0: Like, I didn't feel nurtured or loved. And that was something I needed to have a conversation with him so that I could have some closure around his impact on me for the next several years.
1: Yeah. 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 Of course. So getting through, I mean, you were going to school this whole time. You went through high school. Made it to high school. And then after high school, what comes next for you?
0: Well, after high school, I went to university. Um, I knew <laughs> it's interesting. interesting. As, as a kid, I was a dreamer. I've always been this big dreamer. I wanted to be an astronaut and travel in space and see stars and do those type of things, and I didn't know any astronauts. So that was told to me, uh, like my senior year in high school, and they just like, "Eh, you might want to do something more practical. And so I remember distinctively looking in one of those career books. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's what we
1: had back then. Yeah. (laughs) Here's 30 choices.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I'm so happy somebody. about your
0: life? Yes. yes. Someone else remembers those. Yes. I look at this career book, and I re- I recall like um, chief executive officer being number one, and number two was a, probably a surgeon, and three and four, and come on down, and finally I see pharmacist. So hmm, that's 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 a decent salary. It sounds reasonable, and that's how I chose what my major would be in school. <laughs> Literally based off of salary, not just that, what I thought I could become. So, so I didn't, at that time, I didn't even know what a CEO was. So they were just words to me. Even, even after reading books, I didn't have anything to attach it to because I didn't know any chief executive officers. They, They were just empty words to me. And so I didn't know personally any surgeons or, or anything like that, anesthesiologist, anything like that. I didn't know any of those. And so when I got to pharmacist, I said, okay, okay, I I can do that. And I went to school, and I studied really, really hard. And at that same time, the computer was making its turn around the corner, and my father just happened to have... um, a, a physical computer in the, in the home when I was actually in high school, I was the only one that I knew of of my peers that had a computer in the house and i just I was drawn to it i was I was always um, capable with utilizing a computer but at that time i didn't see a career right in computer science i, I didn't even know that there was such a thing, and so i've continued through pharmacy. And then always fixing stuff. I, re- I remember, I remember the, at that time, they had a dot matrix printer to
1: print. Oh, so, yeah, I remember those things. <laughs> 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 With the like
0: sheets <laughs> that tear off on the side, the little. <laughs> yes. yes, we had those for all sorts of things. And then you had the label maker yeah. and the SAP system would always go down. And, but I was the one like, don't worry, let me, let me go fix it. And although those were small things to me, to the, Um, pharmacy section, that was big. So I transferred from that arena into the computer science arena where I stayed for well over two decades.
1: How was it then to grow your career in that industry? That's a competitive industry. And am I right in saying it's male dominated?
0: Yes. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's,
1: <laughs> but I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. 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 You had no idea to. Right. Yeah. So did that help? Then you just went about like not even paying attention to all that. Like there was no noise made about it. So you just did your thing and. Well, when you I work? first.
0: Yeah, when I first started in that industry, I, I was promised a certain type of role, and I ended up a backup, backup receptionist. And I just was like, okay, well, I'll be the backup, backup receptionist. But in the meantime, I just hoined in on my computer skills, went back to school, um, got another degree, and just did what I thought was best. And in the meantime, I I worked in the sales office as support, pretty much. And in that support capacity, I did minor computer-related work. But that little computer-related work was big to that sales office, and before I knew it, the manager—her name is Debbie Bronji. Wherever Debbie is in this world, <laughs> thank you, because she she helped make that difference, and she recommended me for a position in what we call corporate, which would have been our corporate headquarters, and that's how that opportunity opened the door for me. And I, at that time, laptops were just becoming the big thing. And I work um, doing laptop installations and training and development, training salespeople. And that's, that's where I started. So at some point, I mean, you spent 20
1: plus years in that sector, and then decided to leave. Yes. And now you're CEO of a company yourself.
0: Yes. Well, and I was CEO before I left corporate America. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I think uh, what, I, what I learned, and, and, and I could afford to do that. Yeah. I, I didn't want to wait until I left corporate. I, I think, honestly, it, it, now again, looking back at everything, corporate was a great launch pad for me to develop certain skills. It paid for so much training and development. I worked for wonderful companies, and I will always be thankful for that. I I just happened to pick great companies that really took care of their employees, in my opinion. They took care of me uh, financially, educationally, things of that nature. And I took that and I I built on it, starting with something as small as training um, other men, computer skills, then real estate, then brick and mortar, Liberty Tax Service, which is tax time in the United States now. So Mm -hmm. those those Liberty tax service waivers out there. So those were the things that I did becoming this entrepreneurial. And I think a lot of it honestly was trial and error. I didn't have all the answers, but I had the will.
1: That's a key point you made there that you don't have all the answers, but you have the will. So, I mean, you had, Setbacks and mistakes, and were you ever tempted? Right. (laughs) Some of them, I imagine, if you're anything like you know the rest of the world, some of them hurt a little more than others, and are hard to get back up on. But I think you just nailed the key point there. If you have the will to keep getting back up and do it, and some people, some people say to me, like Bar, oh my gosh, you're trying this, you try that, like you know, (laughs) and then they see, you know, I make mistakes you know, we're struggling to build this or build that. People are like, why do you do it? I'm like, look, I'd rather crash and burn yes. like, over and over than like never try or just stay. So obviously, at some point you get tired of burning and crashing at some point, you know, like, <laughs> you need to have some <laughs> kind of success. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, right. yeah. Yeah. You don't want to like, cont- like, you don't want that to be your entire life story. It's just all yes. the burns. Right. But, <laughs> yes. um, but even so, if that's the case, I think just uh, there are some people, some people are happy, right? Who could stay in corporate forever and never do anything else. They like knowing where they're going to be every Tuesday at 10 o'clock for the next 25 years. They like knowing their two weeks. It's comforting to them. They can plan outside their, mm-hmm. their, you know, they can structure their lives and plan things and know you know, barring any acts of God or unforeseen circumstances that hit all of us at some point barring illness or tragedy, they know where they're going to be and they know what their income is going to be. And they know this and they know that assuming nothing goes wrong. Right? Yeah. Um, and some people like that's where they thrive and they shine and that's the happiest for them. Right. Sometimes I'm a little jealous of those people. I'm like, man, that's like a little simpler, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, why couldn't that be me? Like, why, why do I do this to myself? Right. But you live out there and you know it. And now you have uh, Results to Success. Yes. Is your company. Tell us about that. Um, what, what do you do? You coach, you train people how to build their own success. You work with them personally and professionally. Do you work with individuals or do you go into
0: companies? Both. Yes, yeah. I do. I do all those things. Um, Results to Success, as, as I like to say, I bridge the gap between dreamers and their dreams. I just get to do it in heels. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I love meeting people where they are, like right where they are and find those pain points and get them on the other side of those pain points. And something you said earlier, looking at people from the outside, you don't necessarily know what's on the inside. And I think that's my, my history is my best weapon because Many women look at me on the outside and think I just have it all together. I had whatever life they've created in their minds right. and I'm like, "Well, some of that may be true, but it's probably a very small portion." And when it's appropriate, I will share some of the the other right. parts. Right. And and I, in most cases they're shocked. They're like, "Wow, you you went through a divorce or you went you lost your business or you whatever it is." um and i'm like yeah yeah that 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 happened and 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 it can still happen to you and it's okay yeah it's it's those are all
1: key points all key points you went through so you just said you lost a business and you went through a divorce yeah yeah like you know those are hard things right
0: literally life changing you work hard for those things yeah you work for that marriage you work hard. To build a business, you yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so now, so what is a typical person that would contact you? Like on any given day, you have an inquiry on your site, or you have a call from your assistant, or whatever. Is what's a typical inquiry you get for somebody looking for your guidance and insight?
0: Well, interestingly, I find it it it's usually someone who's extremely successful in their own right. However she or he will find themselves stuck meaning that they've built a life and they still somehow feel that they haven't made it yeah and what i it's interesting a lot of us take a path and i and i did it too take a path that seems right meaning our parents want us to do it Auntie Marge who left me X amount of money and and inheritance wants me to grow up to be a doctor. So I'm going to be a doctor. And that sounds great until you're living in that life that you didn't create for yourself, that you allowed others to create on your behalf and you just inserted yourself. And so what I find is that I have several people that will come to me who have somehow cocooned themselves in a life that they didn't create and they want out. <laughs> they want out the cocoon and be a butterfly and they don't necessarily know how. And that's that's what I help them with.
1: That's pretty cool. That's what we talk about a lot here. And that's one reason we do what we do, right? Is because we got, you know, there's some, I'm sure you are exposed to it too. We're all the negativity going on in this country. Like we're, It seems like every day in the media, the news, online, social platforms, there's people complaining. Talking about how doomed this country is, how terrible the people in this country are, depending on which person you are, you know, the other side, right? And it's it's depressing and overwhelming. But there's really there's so many paths, and we I think or we think, and again, it's why we're doing what we're doing. I think a lot of the the anger in this country is based out of people's own lack of fulfillment in their own lives. It's like misplaced unfulfillment, and hang, and it's much easier. To jump on the wagon and be like, "Oh, this! Let me just vent all of my frustration and rage here at these people on the other political party, or you know, the person in the White House, or whatever it is." Instead of looking inside and, and addressing.
0: Yes, yeah. And
1: so we feel like if we can just share more stories of people like you and examples and paths and avenues, maybe for every episode we do, if one person connects with our guests and says, "Hey, I'm going to follow this person." connect and find a way to, you know, focus less on all that and more on myself. We think it'll grow the family, grow the community, grow the country, you know, bit by bit. Right. So we love, love that you're doing exactly that for you right there. What you just said is like proof of concept for us. So that's why I rambled a little. I'm like, I know people, you know, around me, like, you're kind of crazy. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a widely accepted way of thinking, right? We're a no, no, minority no. voice.
0: Um, and, yeah, And I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's I the one person. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. I was going to say, it's the one person you can connect with, right? Yes. That that yes. does come to you. That's you have enough.
0: Makes the difference. Yeah. That one person,
1: like connecting
0: with you. That's yes. you're my one person this morning that yes. I know gets it.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. So what is the average, like, say for an individual, do you have like a time span that you... That, you know, I have a six month process mm-hmm. we're going to walk you through, or, you know, here's first 10 days, you know, what is your app, what's your procedure, you know, your process in general, but, and I know it, it's probably changes for everybody, but.
0: It depends where they are, exactly. It depends yeah. on where they are, what it is that they, they desire their yeah. outcome to be. And so some people, I think, um, visualize themselves doing less work than, than needed. And so, or they overshoot it by months. So, <laughs> so I have packages, anything from 90 days. Hey, let's just start at a 90 day and, and work on one quarter and work backwards. Let's reverse engineer and get you to here are the steps. Let's, let's work through that. Yeah. And then I have people who are like, well, that doesn't sound like enough time. I, I feel like I need more time. And they commit for 10 months. I only will do up to 10 months at a, t- at, at a time. And right. when I say 10 months, meaning we may have a conversation, meet um, face-to-face or over Zoom or anything like that, twice a, twice a month. And right. some people, they want, they want to connect, even if it's for 15 minutes, every week. So I make it work for, for my, my clients.
1: That's awesome. And you have been able to create a successful business doing that, which is so cool. It is so cool. It's just, again, it's using your past experience, everything you went through professionally to reach back and help other people get where they want to be, which is great. And you are now regional director of the Global Women's Club in Chicago, which I Mm -hmm. love too. As we talked about, man, it has been very hard for us to connect with women, you know, successful women. Mm -hmm. They don't want to, I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. But I don't know if it's like our, what we're doing, whatever, but it's been way easier for us to connect with men and very successful men um, and genuine military heroes, law enforcement heroes, people who have huge followings, who charge thousands of do- thousands of dollars for an hour of their time. will sit down with us and share, but for some reason, it's harder for us to connect with the women. Um, so the fact that you are in, a giant organization centered on women. I love, I love that there's actually women connecting with other women wow. out there and yeah. working other up. Yeah. What tell, talk about the global woman club, um, you know, quickly give a just explanation of what it is and,
0: and what you all do and why it matters. Well, global woman was founded by Morella Sula who is currently living in London by way of Albania. And so she had her own story. She has her own story. Yeah. And which led her to pretty much very little income, a a young son in London. And so she created a space for women like herself, Uh, started as migrant woman, and then that evolved into global woman. Global woman then evolved into adding clubs. It just so happened I met Morella in 2016. And at that time, the club experience didn't exist at all. I don't even think it was a thought of hers. And I met her in London, and the rest is history in regards to our relationship. But when she came to Chicago in 2017, she had just probably months before had a, a meeting in London with a group of women, about 35, 40 women. And what she realized was that once brought under one roof with a few snacks, coffee, tea, water, juice, that those women opened up and they shared and and they got to the rawness of what it is that we as women, how we connect. And from that, that's how the club started. And so when she came to Chicago for a business meeting, she said, Chantella, she said, who do I know? This is what I love about Morella. (laughs) She said, who do I know in Chicago? So people on social media this person, that person, Chantella, she's like, that's right, Chantella's in Chicago. So she reached out to me via social media and said, Chantella, I'm coming to Chicago. Can you get about 35, 40 women in a room?" I said, absolutely. Tell me tell me when. And that's how Global Women Club Chicago emerged from that, that meeting. And for the last couple of years, it's been a phenomenal journey. I've met so many fabulous women. Um, and. For the members of our clubs, they get to build confidence. They build relationships, collabor- collaboration, mm-hmm. and they get to see themselves in a way that they, they may have envisioned, but they get to actually do it out loud in our platform once a month. So Global Woman is a... a a business networking club for professional and business women that enables them to, to build a confidence and their, their speaking skills. It gives them a platform to share.
1: Yeah, which is huge and great because a lot of what determines where you go and what you do in life is your your circle, the people you surround yourself with. You know, we talk a lot about the power of proximity and yes. really
0: we're on your size, right? Yeah,
1: like. Calling the herd around you and really being very selective about the people you surround yourself with. And you know, it's one thing to go out with friends that you've had forever and have a few beers or chill out or do something fun. But if those are the only people you hang out with and those are the only thing you ever do, that's the only then those are the only people you will ever hang out with and those are the only things you will ever do, right? So if you want to mix it up and you want to try new things and really push yourself and find new levels of success, you have to surround yourself with people who want and think do the same thing and um, not necessarily in an adversarial position either, but surrounding yourself with people who are going to work together. So it's like a mastermind really. Um, you know what you're talking about?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, one, your network yeah, is you know, to your net net worth right. and vice, vice versa. Well, if right. you really want to increase your income, increase the value of those that, that are around you, uh, um, that that's important. Um, Yeah. Like I tell people, I said, you know, I prefer even when I'm looking at my daughter, my daughter, Janelle, she's 14 and the school system that she's in, I chose that school system and the, the way she's being taught, not because it's one of the better school systems, but because of the network that this 14 year old is now emerging herself in now. Perfect. maybe one day in the future because my parents didn't think we didn't think like that. No. If I went off from a job any day, the odds were back in the day, I knew no one I could go ask for help. Right. Right. And so my, my whole mindset around network is very, very different, but yeah.
1: Yeah. That's huge and important. So and you talked, you mentioned this woman, Debbie, who kind of took her time and, and, you reached out to help you and guide you. So that's, you know, a, a mentor in your life that made a, a big difference. Yeah. And didn't even know it. Right. So would you, I, I wanted to touch on that too, because a lot of times people think like in their own lives or the families, there's no one that's going to mentor them or guide them, but you can find a mentor and the power of finding a right mentor, even if it's somebody you follow online, who doesn't know they're, you're, they're, you're a mentor, right. You know, you absorb their content or join a club global women's club i'm sure your members have found mentors in each other as well and and help each other that's invaluable right would you say i mean it's what if, if somebody comes to you and says look i'd like to do this but i don't really want to spend the money on doing that you know do you have a, an answer for them you know what you get in return for that investment sure.
0: Joining the club you yeah, meaning, or coaching
1: or, or coaching with you or oh, you know,
0: yeah. I think <laughs> It's What you put in is what you get out.
1: Yeah,
0: as, as a former programmer the code that I put in Creates the type of, type of output that the outcome the results that I receive so since I'm I'm results driven and I'm a results coach it's imperative that when I'm having those type of conversations, that the people that are selecting me and I'm selecting them, that they really understand that this isn't an investment for themselves. Mm-hmm. And that you're, you're going to have to have some skin in the game. Yes. So if you really want the type of outcomes, the type of life that you dream about, that you desire, that you feel, that you could that that you taste. You're going to have to invest the time, the effort, the sacrifice, and the financial commitment. Yeah,
1: it's true. And it's a hard lesson to learn. But once you start doing it and you start going to these events and getting that coaching and meeting these people, you quickly start to realize you can change. And there's really no end to it. No matter how successful you get, I think you can always continue to invest that. Back in yourself, you know. Invest in that one-on-one coaching. Invest in coming to meet and mentor. Invest in that networking club, the resource club, the mastermind. Go to that event or whatever it is. But I think that's something that is super important. I love love hearing that you know you're out there doing that. I have a friend um, I was just talking to who's at a whole new turning point in her life too. And because we're in New York, you know, next week or the week after, there's Global Women's Club in New York, and we're going to go. Check out that meeting. Oh, and, uh, hello. Send my love. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I got to meet Morella when we both spoke at an event. Um, And she, you know, she's, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, the founder of the Global Women's Club, like, actually came up and spoke with me and was chatting with me. I'm like, oh, that was, you know, it was cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's how we all are. Yeah. yeah. He has that, that whole funnel effect from yeah. the top. So yeah. She... He has an eye for all of the directors. And something else you just said, like you said, I'm going to the, the New York meeting soon. And I'm like, say hi to Mendy. Yeah. As a woman, I feel special that I can go to different parts of the world and know that there's someone that, that I might know. Yeah, or, that's cool even if I don't know them personally that I can be connected to through this network. So I never had to feel like a stranger. I never had to feel alone when I traveled to foreign parts of the world, let it be all Kosovo. I was just there this summer and and I felt like I was family. That's great. That's great. All right. So here at American
1: snippets, what we talked about, and I touched on that quickly before, you know, why we started it and what we do, but we, uh, you know, we center a lot on the American dream, which you are an example of. You've built your own version of the American dream. I and mean, patriotism is important to us. Obviously, you know, um, my husband died in Iraq and we, we are very tied into the military community. So patriotism is important to us as a unifying force. Um, but the American dream is part of that. And for me, when I see people going out there and really taking advantage of everything that is in this country, No matter their circumstances, no matter what they have to fight, there are a lot of great countries out there. I don't know that there's another country that you could create this form of success doing exactly what you're doing, you know, um, in the way that you're doing it. We know the American dream is unique to everybody. there's There's not one cookie cutter definition of it, right? So we like to ask each guest, what does the American dream mean for you?
0: exactly what you, I mean, you tied right into it. The segue for me is, success for me, it changes. The success I wanted at four years old was to to be at home, right? Mm -hmm. The success in high school was to graduate and go to a university. And each time I obtain a a goal, I fulfill it, my success radar and meter, that needle changes some. But at this point in my life, my my goal is to touch move and inspire women all over the world and and to to pour into them to feed them with their own dreams and visions and get the outcome the results that they want period like that's what i'm i'm doing today and i'm so elated that i can do that that i'm entrusted with that
1: yeah that's great thank you so much and if people want to find you online or connect with you find out about Working with you find out about the global women's Club where can they where can they go to connect with you personally
0: let's see first of all they for those who are local you can connect with me on February 23rd we are having a global women club event here in Chicago as a matter of fact our founder Morella Sula will be coming to Chicago so don't miss that if you can be here but also you can find me at com. I'm all over social media you can find me as you stated you could google me um, Instagram, as I say, even TikTok. So <laughs> um, but I can be found um, throughout any of those sources or go to Global Woman, um, globalwoman.co because they're not .com, globalwoman.co and you'll find out about Global Woman and more about me. Yeah, but yeah, these days it's just like you're everywhere. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the
1: time to sit down and talk with us and share your insight with our community. I would highly recommend anyone, especially if you're in the Chicago area want to meet Chantella, go on out there February 23rd. Hop on. Where is the meeting going to be?
0: It's on Sunday, February 23rd. It will be held at the historic building called the Chicago Firehouse Restaurant.
1: All right. Perfect. Hop on out there if you're in Chicago. If you're in New York uh, and you're in the city, I think on the 19th. I might bump into you at a Global One's Club meeting because I think it's time. I've been trying to get there since I met Morella and uh, you know I think the universe is leading me there next week. So we'll see. But thank you. Thank you so much again for taking the time to sit down with us. Thank you. Okay, I told you that was going to be intense, right? And it was, wasn't it? But aren't you so grateful to Chantella for sharing that story with us? And I hope that you took away... Her message of positivity and faith and believing in yourself. How crazy is it? If you have not read Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, I highly recommend you go out and get it. I'm a latecomer to that book, but when, I can't even tell you how many people that we've interviewed have referenced that book and the difference it made in their lives and how they all incorporate some facet of something in that book into, into their own story of success. It's incredible, really. So Thank you very much for sitting down with us to so listen to Chantella's story. Please, if you were impacted by it anywhere near as much as I was, go onto iTunes before you sign off and just leave a quick review. Let Chantella know that you appreciate her courage for sharing her story, that you wish her well. And if you want to connect with her, follow up with her on Instagram, on Facebook. If you have some reason that you can't find her, get in touch with us and we'll put you directly in contact with her. We'd be happy to be a liaison between you as well. Thanks so much for taking the time to tune into American Snippets. Dave will be back next week and we'll see you all then.